once, Tony, I have my dear friend and a one-of-a-kind man, businessman, ideas man, amazing musician, a legend in many ways, as my guest this week, and we're going to just shoot the breeze. You can get to know Will I Am in a different way. Will, can we just start off with the first thing? Why are you called Will I Am? Well, my name is William. If, uh, for those that didn't couldn't figure it out the uh, <laughs> without the dots, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just like the fact that it that it spells a sentence. You know, William is one who is strong with will. Yeah. Um, and I am I am will, meaning I have the ability to manifest ideas, the will to, uh, you know, jump obstacles the will to solve problems, the will to share, the will to give. And uh, yeah, and my mom, my mom was the biggest inspiration to me. Yeah, so Will I Am. And, and when did- So I put the dots in back in 1995. Right. 1995, I started, put, I put the dots in my name to separate it. Because in 1995, the internet wasn't like the internet. Yeah, yeah, and it was dial up, wasn't it? Yeah, it was dial up. But you didn't really think of the dot com. You didn't think of dots and backslashes in 1995. Yeah. It wasn't like common in our world. After I realized the the significance of the dot. You know, you said your mom was a, your inspiration. Very much my mom was my inspiration. Um, when did you realize you would get into music firstly? You know, when you're at school, did you want to be a businessman? Did you look at music? You know, what? Because your life resonates so much with mine, to be honest, and I'll explain a bit more later when I when I read your early life. Um, at what stage did you kind of realize music was it for you? In high school, I had a record deal when I was 17 years old, which was 11th grade. Right. The, the year before my before the year before my senior year. From that point on, I realized music was it for me. So people understand, how do you get a record contract at 17? At what point did you start writing tunes and beat? And, and how did you get the deal? So I joined a rap contest. Right. I was in a rap contest and I was winning every week. Just freestyling. I was, I was like an improv guy. Right. From the top of the head, just making rhymes up. I was buzzing. And this was in L.A.? Meaning. This was in L.A. Yeah. So I went to a school an hour away from my ghetto. Right. And I went to school. I went to Palisades High School, Paul Revere Junior High School, and Brentwood Elementary. And the people that attended my school, I went to junior high school with Philip Bailey's daughter, Philip Bailey from Earthborn and Fire. Right. And my first girl, my second girlfriend ever, her best friend was Angelina Jolie. Right. In Beverly Hills High School. Right. Like Beverly well, n- n- Beverly Hills nine oh two one oh. Yeah, that so that high school. So the, the schools that I went to were very prominent and connected right. in, in entertainment. Right. And so I was really blessed that my mom sent me to school out there. How did you get into that school? So is it was it easy? I to- took I took I took I took a test and passed it. Right. Fate had it that way. Barry Gordy's son, Red Foo from LMFAO, Party Rock is in the house tonight. Those yeah. guys. We all went to the same high school. Wow. <laughs> that must have been yeah. some musical school. And so, who was the first record company? I was signed to Ruthless Records with Easy e Ah, okay. Oh, right. You were going to be a hardcore rapper then? 
that was that was where you were heading no he was like look i like how creative you are man you creative <laughs> you know what i mean all this gangster rap stuff you don't gotta do that just do you yeah and so he was super liberating to what was the status quo in music in the hip-hop music scene he was he was cool with us being as odd and left of center yeah so we were cool well you keep mentioning ghetto what does that mean and what was it like growing up and you know um, obviously we have all these connotations of a ghetto and it's difficult for young kids and sometimes they get drawn into stuff but what what's the truth what's the reality you know so my ghetto is in east los angeles was it rough it was rough a lot of gangs and what does a gang mean but I mean, you know, what, what were they doing? What were gangs? You had to, you had to join gangs, and the first thing you have to be worried about growing up in the ghetto, the first thing is the police. Yeah, that force, the right. the violent brutality that the police have against young black Latino men and and then women, and then the second thing is the rival gang in the neighborhood you're from. Like I have friends that were that were killed by the rival gang. I have kids friends that were killed by the police officers. And when you when I say that, you wouldn't think that's America. Yeah. That sounds like like a third world country that yeah. the first thing you're afraid of as a teenager growing up is the police. Yeah. That People, sounds like a third world country. Yeah, I know. Right? People don't understand that, right? They don't understand what it what it's like because you don't get that yeah. picture of America. Then you have the gangs. And the gangs have military weapons. Where are they getting these weapons from? They're getting the weapons from the police officers. And the drugs are coming in. Where are these drugs coming in from? In the 80s, if there was a war on drugs, like why are there no shortage of drugs? Hmm. Turns out the drugs were being brought in by federal agents. And all this stuff is documented. Like before, before it was like conspiracy. Hmm. Now it's been documented that these things were actually true. And so we dealt with a lot, a lot of that crime, corrupted police officers, gangs trying to scratch to survive, kids being killed by kids, kids being killed by cops. That was my my growing up. And then the club and hip hop music really gave me a different path. And, and how did you get out of that? I mean, you know, is it is it easy to stay out of it? It's a choice and it's a hard choice. And there's a couple of paths. One of the paths is sports. The gangs don't mess with the athlete. Right. The other path is music. The gang is like, oh man, yo Willie, get over here, kick one of them rhymes. Hey, hey Willie, kick one of those fucking raps, dog. Yeah. Or there's the church path. Right. Like they respect the path of the of, of because the parent keeps their kid on a on a straight path. Right. So the gang doesn't mess with those three things. They respect those three paths. Sports, music, um, and religion. Anything else, you're either going to get jumped in or they're going to recruit you to be, you know, in, in the gang. Yeah, so you know, we, we in Asia see this a lot on television. We see people don't understand some of the injustices. Will it ever change? I mean, America is the richest country in the world. It's kind of weird to see this. Um, kind of even for me now listening to you about it. How does it change? You know, we've had a black president, um, President Obama, who we both know. And, you know, it's it's still when you when you see the kind of budgets that are thrown in for COVID and recovery, 
how does America still allow this kind of stuff to happen? And, and will it ever change in your lifetime, do you think? America's always been this way. There's always been gangs. They just had different names. Hmm. So the police, that's a gang. And, there, and then there's good police officers. Don't get me wrong. Just like in every ghetto, there's good kids. And then there's the gang. Politics, there's a gang in there. There's always been a mob. Hmm. There's always been that. There's a gang in everything you think of that does things in a very dark, aggressive way to survive out of fear, mm. out of greed. Mm. There's that, that mentality is everywhere. Doesn't have to be that way. To your point, it doesn't have to be that way. But that's just the reality of humanity's fear, greed problems. You know, you see the number of black kids as the highest in, in prisons, the amount of crime. But in America, and I mean, it's been, you know, the recent riots, et cetera, a lot more people are, you know, Black Lives Matter, and there's a lot more. Every time you see, you know, even Apple making a watch strap and people talking about black entrepreneurs and supporting black businesses and stuff, do you think things will are changing? And that, you know, I mean, for us, I mean, it's been amazing that America's had a black president. In, in our countries where there is different types of racial profiles, it probably wouldn't, it's a long way from happening. And so America has done a lot, um, but it, it still seems very backwards in some ways. So I'm looking for answers. Like, what do you think could be the trigger point to change the whole social economic um, climate that wealth is more evenly distributed? Because as long as there's economic problems and kids turn to crime and gangs and all that sort of stuff, right? Um, and if the only way out is music, sports, religion, you know, you're, you're, it's not everyone's going to be a will I am and not everyone's going to be the greatest football athlete. How do, how, do, how do you think this can change and why isn't there strong leadership to change it? Prison, the, the, the industrial prison complex, that's business and that's sad. Because America is one of the only countries where a prison is privatized. You can invest in prisons and profit from people's misfortunes and the way their communities are set up for them to fail. It's a correctional facility. And the first priority is profit. Mm. Now, that's disgusting. That's a different, that's a different slavery mechanism. Mm. Is that you, the, the neighborhood that you grew up in the education is poor. There's no opportunity. There's no financial literacy to grow capital. As soon as you get money, you cash your check at the cash uh, at the check cashing place. There's no nutritional education, so it's the neighborhood is riddled with poor food that is the result of obesity and diabetes and high blood pressure. It's business. Hmm. So when you think of a ghetto, it's not poor because somebody's making money. Hmm pharmaceutical industry is making money the prisons are making money and it they're making money off the misfortunes and the setting up for failure that our commute those communities uh, are designed and then we have this long-awaited diversity conversation mm. and that's great that companies are are moving to have diversity in their workplace and then there's the area where we're ignoring and that is Diversity is awesome, but there's also, there also should be diversity as far as the black-owned 
or Latino owned huge companies, not just like diversity in like the white companies, mm. but diversity in economics and business to, to start with. Yeah. If there is a huge WhatsApp or a huge Facebook or a huge Google or a huge Amazon, where's the black version? Where's the Latinx version? That's why I really, I love what you do. That's why I love Air Asia. There's, and you come from the music industry. So you show, you show examples of being able to switch disciplines. I salute you because you're an inspiration to me. You're an inspiration to a lot of people of color and what it takes to weather the storm and see success through. Uh, so it's people like you to inspire other folks what's possible. It's also preparing for tomorrow. Yeah. Because tomorrow is, if it's, if it's weird now and we're barely getting over this racial conversation, which is prehistoric, if you think about how, how far we've come as a species mm. to be able to communicate through airwaves and have satellites that orbit, triangulate devices with towers, but then we still have like racial problems. <laughs> we could connect with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and all this other kind of stuff and code <laughs> algorithms to understand different languages and machines to understand like, human intent and and concepts. But we still have racial problems. Like, are you serious? I know. That's crazy to me. Yeah, but God, Will, you have really, I mean, this last 15 minutes have been really awesome because two things you said, and I want to move on, but there's so much to talk about, but community set up to fail. That's really so appropriate in so many places of the world, not just in the ghettos in America. The the community that's set up to fail, you, you just don't, don't talk about the economics, all the other pieces. I mean, that's so important. And, you know, you've said something so natural and so real in that you're right we communicate in through airwaves there's artificial intelligence there's so much and we still have racial behavior you know it is a sad reflection of a human being in all my life in what i've done we've never looked at race creed color sexual preference you know it's purely a meritocracy and that's what's built what we've built and it's such a waste of time and so i do love that bit you're so right. We, we communicate now in so many different ways and forms that it's amazing that we still have racism. But anyway, that's it. And let's hope there are more Will I Am's and there's more great thought. Hopefully the, the new president and new leaders. I was really afraid at some stage as we were getting more and more right wing, not just in America, everywhere, you know, and we're becoming more insular and, and losing this globalized world. And hopefully we're back on track. But there is a hell of a long way to go just listening to you. Will, how, how have you been managing COVID? For me, just before I ask you, uh, ask you to fill in, things that I took for granted, like jumping on a plane, like, you know, coming to see you in LA, uh, or, or you coming to Malaysia and performing at our party with 5,000 people. I can't imagine a party anymore with 5,000 people. Uh, right. You know, it was, if it's going to be our last party, Will, till till the end, I mean, you know, I just want to tell the audience, it was the greatest party. 5,000 people and Will I Am had everyone eating out of their hands. It was packed in this venue. 
And, you know, hit after hit after hit, you forget how many hits this man had, actually. And you love gadgets and you love building things, love right? Was that from a kid? You always, you like to buy the latest tech and the latest stuff? No, music was, was the thing I, the world that I created in as a kid. Yeah. And then graffiti, doing art, and then designing clothes with this company called uh, Zung Clothing back in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, I used to design with Tommy Zung, and that was that was my everything. Watch when I realized my ideas could turn into something that you put on your back or you put on your feet. I loved it. Music became my everything. That's all I did was make beats, write songs, make beats, write songs, come up with video concepts, make beats, write songs, make beats, write songs. And then I found like website developers, and then from there I was. I'm done. The technology was it. Just going back to COVID really quickly, you know, you released a song and this is again, what's special about you, Sing for Life, you know, featuring Bono and Jennifer Hudson and another one of my friends, Yoshiki from Japan. There's a message of solidarity, you know, in this isolation and, and COVID. How did that all come about, you know? Right here, right here in this apartment. Mark Benioff has the group text. And on this group text is, Mark Benioff, Bono, Yoshiki, Sasha, Borat, Gaio Siri. He has an amazing group chat that we're all on. Yeah. And so Bono sends a text of him singing with his son playing the piano, a video that he sends to us when COVID was take, kicking off this time last year. And so I received that from the group text and I was so inspired. And so I came here to my little studio in, in my little my little place here in London and started recording. Then I, then I said, I need to do a video for it. So I got my camera phone, came here, opened up the curtain and was like, COVID-19, you <laughs> was throwing the knees. <laughs> like I, this whole, I, I did it here like this, bro. And, and then I sent it to Bono and then I sent it to J-HUD. Right. And then I sent it to Yoshiki and they sent me back their parts, you know, compiled them all here. And that was the beginning of isolated recording. And I realized like, like none of these apps are made for collaboration. Like for example, right here, we're on this call, right? We're on a zoom. Yeah. What the hell was zoom last year? I, we weren't <laughs> zooming last year. No, we <laughs> but even this, even this platform, if I share something with you here, after I shared everything, where is it? Where is it at? Yeah, yeah. If I share my screen, where wh wh where is that? Unless you record, you're recording it, but you have to record it all. Yeah. But you don't have the file. If I share a file, you don't have it. You have to then send me a text message and be like, "Yo, can you send me that PDF?" <laughs> None of this stuff is like really designed. Yeah, for, for a nice for, the, for the world that we are in right now. Correct. And so, ding, here comes another idea. <laughs> so COVID for me was creating. I created so much, so much creation, so much ideas. You haven't wasted this crisis. You've, you know, you've just driven into positive activities. I want to know where you get your positivity from. And, you know, I've never seen you down. I've never seen you negative. You never run down people. And I always tell people it's much better running life if you're positive than negative. It's just much more fun. 
And I just want you to say a few things on that because, you know, you've, in the time I've known you, you just are a great guy. You're down to earth. You, I mean, you're a massive worldwide success. You're full of ideas. You're full of positivity. I just want you to spread a little bit of that and tell people why it's much better to be positive than negative. My grandmother taught us that. You have a choice. A lot of times people, they, they have this surrender like, oh, I don't have no choice. Look at my situation. Mm. If you can experience your situation, no matter how hard it is, that's one plus you have is your ability to experience that situation. Yeah, correct. And if you don't know how to learn from that situation that you're in, then that situation is just going to repeat itself. Mm. The optimism comes from, well, this is the situation that I'm in. I'm going to learn from this and learning is great. Yeah. If learning is bad, then yeah, it's going to be a horrible situation. If learning is fun, if you could turn learning into a creativity, whoa, then there's no situation that you're going to go through where it's going to be, oh, yeah, just, uh, you always have to, you have, you have a choice and that choice is how you look at it. You could see a frown. I could do like this and, and that, and I could turn that curve upside down and it, I could look at it like it's smiling at me. Yeah. You have a, you have a choice. I could give you some real life examples of what I mean by that. In 2001, we went on tour on September the 12th. That's one day after 9-11. Mm. And I was afraid, man, I don't think you understand. I was starting to have anxiety, panic attacks. And so I went home and my grandma prayed for us. She's like, go get my good oil so I could pray for you. So she anointed it. My, my grandma at church was always the one that would go and lay hands and bless people mm. in, in the church. So she said, get my oil. And when she says, go get my good oil, you're like, either I did something wrong or I'm getting, I'm getting the good blessing. Yeah. So in this case, I was getting the good blessing. And she said, look, well, you could stay at home afraid or you could go out there and do what, the, what God asked you to do. And that is to bring joy to people. That's your choice. Because if, you're, if your tour was supposed to be canceled, it would have been canceled. Obviously, there's a purpose for you to go out there and serve. Mm. And what is that purpose? For you to make people feel good for at least an hour. And wherever, you're, wherever your tour takes you to, go and do this work. So we went. After the tour, we wrote, where's the love? That was, but where's the love was our rinsing up of what America felt like. Mm. That's what America felt like. Where's the love? We asked that question to my grandma, to my mom. What's wrong with the world, mama? People living like they don't have no mamas. People to pray over them. Mm. People to, that love them. I think the whole world addicted to the drama, only attracted to things that bring the trauma. Overseas, we're trying to stop terrorism, but damn, we still got terrorists here living. In the USA, the KKK. I can't believe they're still hating Blacks today. Because if you only have love for your own race, then you only leave space to discriminate. And to discriminate only generates hate. And when you hate, then you're going to get irate. Damn, that's the, way that, that's the way that madness works and operates. And you got to have love to set it straight. Take control of your mind and meditate or pray. Let your soul gravitate to the love. Right? That's, that's, a, that's a real life implication of what my grandma taught me and how to take 
a negative when negative isn't really a negative it's just energy yeah right every battery has a negative charge and a positive yep. charge right so you got to take that negative and that positive and propel yourself you got to learn how to look at a, a situation that you're in and look at it from a learning situation so when the second time that happened the second time that happened is during 2008 during the financial crisis everyone was afraid everyone was angst everyone was worried about the economy you turn on the news everything was panic 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 uncertainty 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 and so i wrote i got a feeling hmm. that tonight's gonna be a good night because god damn it today was fucking crazy and so was last week and so was the week before that but tonight tonight's gonna be better bro i just know it I wanted to go back to music and we've, we've gone back to music. I didn't realize that you wrote that song straight after the financial crisis. And it's so appropriate. So I love your music. It's so much of time. 20 years on, 20 years on, where is the love is still resonating with everybody. You know, why do you yeah. think it still resonates? It's almost like a, you know, your music is really a large part of American culture now. It's so good. You describe that even for me knowing you, I didn't realize, you know, that the kind of, the positive energy and the reality and also explaining in music how the world felt at that time. But 20 years on, where is the love is, is as appropriate as it was 20 years ago. I mean, that's pretty legendary. Um, and, you know, how, how do you feel about that still resonating? I mean, it's, it's such a powerful song. Yeah, I remember growing up and listening to Bob Marley you know, when I was growing up in the 80s and the 90s, Bob Marley was 70s music. Yeah. One love, one heart. Let's get together and feel all right. Yeah. Rastafari. And if I, when you think about, like, Bob Marley, that was religious music. Yep. Rastafarian. He was, he was a Rastafarian, and he was making religious songs. I grew up apostolic, which is like a, a version of Christianity. My grandma was like a supreme super Christian. Yeah. Like that's all she did was pray. That's all she did was go to church. That's all she did. 100% super Christian. Yeah. Growing up, I didn't go to church as much because in my head, well, my grandma's going to church for me. <laughs> she, she's doing it for all of us. Music is my religion. Yeah. I say that all the time. It is mine as well. That's why we have so much in common. And you got to tune your instrument to play in the orchestra. Yeah. And the moment your instrument's out of key or out of tune, you you're responsible for the for the song yeah. sounding horrible. Correct. And it takes self-realization for you to understand like, tuning up yourself and contributing to the orchestra so that you make pleasant sounds and you compliment everyone else that is playing. That's what I mean by music is my religion. I, I try my best to keep myself in tune. I try my best to compliment everyone in the orchestra and add to the awesome sound called life. I learned that from music. I learned that from my grandma. I learned that from folk, my friends that are Muslim. I learned that from my friends that are Jewish. I learned that from my friends that are Buddhist. They're, they're, it's all different instruments. So Christianity is like rhythm section. Muslim is like the bows and the strings. Buddhism is like 
wind instruments. Judaism is like bass. And all these different religions are the orchestra to this symphony called life. And then you have the vocalists. And the vocalists are people that may not subscribe to a particular practice, but they're still a part of this symphony called life. But it's, it's everyone's duty to make sure no matter what denomination you are, that you are well-tuned. Exactly, exactly. Just can't get enough. You, you filmed it a week before the Japanese tsunami. The music video, you know, closed with a message for Red Cross. And then, you know, a few years later, the tsunami happened in uh, Indonesia. You know, you were personally involved and in I know that moved you immensely. You came down to Malaysia after that and helped raise funds, but you actually went out to Aceh and you, you saw what it was, what it meant. The whole town was wiped out, mm. but you were there right at the beginning and maybe, you know, how did that move you? And it was such an earth shattering moment just watching it on TV, but you saw it there and what did you feel? I turned 30 in 2005. Right. I was like, I just turned 30. I want to do something of purpose. So I think I'm going to go to Indonesia uh, and and do tsunami relief. They're like, are you serious, bro? It's <laughs> like, yeah, bro. Like, that's how I want to spend my birthday. I want to do something. I want to be of service. I want to help folks that are in need. So the least I can do is do tsunami relief. Let's figure out how to how to figure that out. So we called the World Health, the World Food Organization and UNICEF and I I uh, I went. That's that's what I wanted to do. And then from there, because I was already there, we did the concert in Malaysia. And and I and I fell in love with purpose and, and being of service. And I realized when I was there that there's a tsunami every day in my neighborhood. Hmm. And if I could come here to Bandeache, I should be able to go back to my neighborhood and help out the kids in my neighborhood that are hit by a tsunami of neglect, a tsunami of no preparation, tsunami of no education, a tsunami of crime, a tsunami of set up for failure. And so after that, I started the I Am Angel Foundation, mm -hmm. teaching our kids computer science and uh, preparing them for tomorrow. Now I got kids going to Brown, Stanford, Dartmouth, UCLA, USC, Georgetown. Yeah, that 2005 trip, just being there, seeing all the, the devastation that, that was created by a natural disaster and how beautiful Indonesia is. The people, people are awesome. And every country has issues as problems. America just has a better way to market where you don't see our problem, but we got some fucking problems. Yeah. I mean, I think it's great that you, you, I think it's great that you just, you know, the way you said it, you went to Indonesia, you came back and you thought, hey, you know, there are a lot of tsunamis out in, your, in my own neighborhood and I'm going to do something about it. And I didn't know this. I didn't know you've sent kids all over to Stanford and, and stuff and, you know, got them into technology and, getting them out of those ghettos in a different way. And that's that's still going on, Will? Yeah, so this is my 11th year. I started off with 65 kids in 2009. Mm -hmm. Now I have just about 1,500 kids that serve in my community. Wow. Well, that must be a real high. That's that's something to be proud of, Will. Just, just, yeah. just obviously music's my love and you've been such a, such a trendsetter. Just to close off music before we talk about tech, 
which is our latest thing that both of us are doing. Um, you know, you, you, I remember you telling me about you wanted to get into the Latin scene and you wanted to cross over and maybe you played me Ritmo, which was an incredible song. And now you've just done something with Shakira uh, back in December, Girl Like Me. I was, I mean, I'm friends with her husband. I don't know Shakira. I'm friends with her husband as a footballer, uh, Gerard Piquet. And uh, you know, what was it like working with Shakira? And then, and you obviously love this Latin sound as you were talking about Jay Balvin. You were telling me all this stuff. And you're such an adventurer in terms of fusing, you know, just in the same way you love to fuse cultures and you want everyone to be work together. You've, I've always felt that you felt music is a great way of bringing people together and bringing cultures together. Black Eyed Peas, we're genre hoppers. Yeah. Like we started, we're at the end of the day, core Black Eyed Peas, we're a rap group that likes jazz infuses jazz with funk and that's black eyed peas rhythm and blues and we just fuse our the things that we like 2004 we seen massive success with words well and that time we were really inspired by indian culture and that album elephant mm. is based off of ganesh all right i didn't know that all uh, right so that's why we call it elephant yeah uh, it's because it's a uh, it's the it, it, it's a clear of obstacles because funk in German is transmission, mm -hmm. and and uh, elephant is 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 is, is with clear obstacles for this transmission. Mm -hmm. And we're gonna make the album blue, uh, like Ganesh. And the person who did our artwork was Shepard Fairey. Right. Super inspired by Indian culture, we sampled Asha Bosley on our the, the follow up to Monkey Business, and that record is called Monkey. Uh, so called Monkey Business, the follow up to Elephant. And Monkey Business was red. And it was uh, inspired by Hanuman because uh, it keeps things together. And we needed to figure out how to keep our group together now that we had successful business. Yeah. So we called it monkey business to keep the group together. All right. And so then, then we traveled the world and we realized that dance music, EDM, was blanketing all the underground club scenes. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, yo, guys, maybe we should start messing around with like electronic dance music on this one. So we featured David Guetta. I got a film. One of one, his first pop feature, by the way. I got a film. Hey, you're way ahead. We are way ahead of the time, Will. No, as far as like he's done other features, but not in the pop. No, like, not in the pop, pop world. Yeah, it field. was it was dance. It was EDM. Yeah. So and then from there we we you know we played stadiums and did like the World Cup, did the Super Bowl. Like Black Eyed Peas were doing like eighty thousand seats a night three nights in a row in France. Like, where are you going? London and Paris. Like, we were going to freaking Paris, Slovakia, Czech Republic. We were going to freaking Israel and Ethiopia, uh, Indo Indonesia, Thailand, Taiwan, Philippines, Japan, Malaysia. And our whole thing was like, go everywhere. Go everywhere. Don't just go to like, London and Paris. The world is freaking diverse. The world is freaking beautiful. The world is freaking awesome. All these different cultures. And then we were playing like Spanish speaking countries and our songs weren't in Spanish. I'm like, yo, they're playing our music to the point where we could play three nights in stadiums. Meanwhile, we could barely play a stadium in America. Yo, bro, let's do an all Spanish album or at least 50% Spanish. And let's start collaborating with like Latin artists just to pay tribute and homage and thank you to these countries that have been playing Black Eyed Peas for years. Right. So we did translation. 
like like the end was the perfect title yeah because it was like yo bro this music industry selling albums is done so we called it the end that's why if you listen to the record like the last song on the album says there are no more physical record stores but we will continue to let the beat rock yeah and i got a feeling is the number one downloaded song on itunes of all time still to this day yeah but now we now there's a different metrics now it's streaming yep and the record industry is always changing it's always in flux unfortunately to the record industry it doesn't own the streaming platform which is in some you ways know? good no i don't think that's good i think <laughs> if the record industry had the power of knowing what it knows now in 2000 the record industry would have bought Napster. And if we own Napster, there would never have been an iTunes. And if we own Napster, streaming would have kicked off in 2000. I know. Look, I, I'll tell you a story. I left Time Warner because I was so much in favor of uh, Napster. I said, you can't hold yeah. technology back. The Atlantic Boys and the Warner Boys, and they didn't want to change. They thought this was a threat. It was going to kill albums and CDs. And I made this big speech to say, look, it's like, Holding the bicycle, you know, holding the bicycle industry back and the car industry back for the horse industry. You're not going to stop it, and <laughs> exactly. you know, and uh, they weren't going to listen, right? Because they were record executives for a long time, and I said, "I'm out of here because this is destroyed, and we're going to lose control." And so I went and started Air Asia. You know, you're doing the voice now. You're so popular in the UK. And I was thinking about it when I, when, I, when I met you, you know, in London and turned up at a concert. It was all white people, actually. There were, it was one of the things that struck me. There were, there were no black people. It was all white um, English people. And uh, it showed the power of your music that it had transcended kind of everywhere. Uh, and, you know, whenever I say to whether it's footballers, whether it's to just politicians, whatever, in England, you are so popular in the UK. Why, why is that? Black Eyed Peas, we were, our first platinum was here in the UK. I remember when I realized how huge it was. We were coming back from the MTV Music Awards rehearsal and we passed by a church. And on the church, there was a question mark, our question mark, because our question mark is like a square. Yeah, correct. And where's the love? And I look and I scream. I'm like, ah, Tab, look at the church. It has our logo. They're, they're, they're teaching. Uh, the, the, the sermon for Sunday is where's the love? And I call my grandma. I'm like, Nanny, our song is being used for a Sunday service at some random church in Edinburgh. Oh, Willie Boy, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord. And that's when I realized like how big the Black Eyed Peas have crossed over and made it. And then it spread from the UK. So I did a solo project called Willpower because no one, the Black Eyed Peas, we have this thing if all four of us don't say yes and three of us say yes, just because three of us say yes doesn't mean we go. Yep. All four of us have to say yes. Yep. So because we didn't all say yes and we had three yeses and not four, we didn't do an album. Right. We didn't resurface. So I did willpower. Right. And I called the willpower because I'm I said to myself, look, this is gonna be a very hard thing to do by yourself. So the first song was This Is Love, because this is why I'm doing it. The second song was Scream and Shout, because that's how I truly felt. It wasn't the four, but I was determined to have success. 
And then from there, it was that um, I got that power with Justin Bieber. Like every song title I have is like purposeful. It's not just random titles for title sake. They're all, they all have like a greater meaning for the titles. I want to end up in tech. You raised 100 million in venture capital. I mean, there's not many music guys who are doing what you're doing with AI and stuff. Tell me a little bit about this this next chapter and uh, you know how you're feeling about it and where do you think it's going to take you and what do you ultimately want to achieve in tech? I mean, I think it's so great that you, you know, you've talked about creating uh, companies that are owned by black people to, to inspire. You're now teaching a lot of kids uh, get STEM education. Where do you want to go on this tech side? And you know, if you've got a thousand ideas a day, what would you like to achieve in technology? So I look at tech and my my aspirations in this field no differently than I look at music because it's to me it's the same energy of idea coming up with ideas and collaborating. And I started music my journey in music in 1990. It took me seven years to get a record deal, like a real, a real like record deal. Because when I, when I got the record deal in 1992, I was still a minor. Yep. I got a record deal with Interscope, trying to get a record deal in 1997, put out a first record in 1998. Didn't really have success until 2004. So if you look at 1990, that's 14 years hmm. before you see success. Yep. That's 14 years of trying, 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 and then hitting it out the park. So I started technology and an entrepreneur, I would say, as soon as I got that futurist gig at Intel. Right. My futurist gig at Intel was 2012, when Black Eyed Peas took a break. Right. That's when I started working at Intel. So 2012 to now, that's only... Nine years. Not even 10 years. Yeah. 2014 is when I started my company. When we sold Beats to Apple, I had some money. I went to India and, and Singapore and adopted a team that existed with my co-founder, Chandra. Started, you know, working on ideas that got us into the space of AI. Yeah. And what got me into the space of AI was working at Intel when I realized that there aren't that many operating systems. Right? There's Android, there's iOS, there's Linux, there's Unix. iOS and Android are based off of Unix and Linux and, uh, and, and Windows is based off of DOS. Right? That's it. Yep. So for me, it was a naive, oh, let's make an operating system. I'm so happy I had that naive uh, ambition. We made mistakes. We fixed, mis we fixed them and learned and we have a pretty awesome platform. And the future of technology, eventually I will have a ginormous win. And the communities that are gonna benefit from my ginormous win are communities that look like the community I come from. I'm not trying to win for winning ego's sake. Mm. I wanna win in technology so I don't ever have to worry about asking anyone to help me raise money to prepare people for tomorrow. Yep. Because right now in 2021, as technology companies are investing more and more in AI that will render a lot of the jobs that we have right now obsolete, while that's happening, governments are not ensuring 
kids are prepared for this technological tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows just how freaking technological tomorrow is. If you're an Uber driver, you're not an Uber driver in 2030. If you're a delivery driver delivering uh, uh, packages on trucks, that's not what you're doing in 2030. If you're working at a cashier at a freaking grocery store, you're not doing that in 2030. Why? Because the world as we know it right now is making investments to make sure that uh, stores are, are cashless or making sure that there are not people in them to, to, for you to check out. Or, or we're making sure that the autonomous vehicle is safer than people driving them. That's what's going on right now. COVID told us that, hey, 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 hey you don't got to go to work. Stay your butt at home. <laughs> COVID told us, hey, 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 you don't even got to go to school. We're going to learn from home too. And what did that tell big companies? There's big skyscrapers and companies are like, hey, maybe we don't need everybody in that skyscraper. Yeah. We made our money this quarter. As a matter of fact, we profited. So don't be surprised 2025 and moving on, there's going to be new work home configurations that are designed specifically for that. Yep. That's what's coming around the corner. So how are we preparing the youth for this tomorrow. What, you're just gonna teach kids what you were teaching them before the world shut down? So yeah. why do I wanna be, why do I wanna have success in tech? So other folks that come from where I come from can finally see somebody successful in the world of tech. Cause who in the hell do they have to look at? If there's nobody that looks like them in the field. Yeah. Who right now is investing in AI in my world? What? Oh, I'm the only guy? what the what that's awesome but that's also sad yeah it is that's amazing but it's also scary because who's training the algorithms it's not like there's like awesome african-americans training algorithms and, and and training data and writing algorithms so in this world where machines are going to be interacting with people who made sure the machine knows people like me's best interest yeah if people like me didn't write the algorithms and train the data yeah correct if we're barely freaking getting over racism what happens when machinism surfaces yeah. we haven't even imagined machinism what's machinism oh it's when you have platforms that were built not by people of color that are out there interacting in communities where there's people of color and those machines don't really understand the conditions of people of color but the investments and the insurance on the machine has a, a holds a higher importance than the folks that live in the community machinism there are no regulations about it there's no governance to ensure that that doesn't happen because the only way to ensure that doesn't happen is to make sure that people are writing the algorithms and training the data that come from those communities and empathize and understand those communities correct so that's the re that's the reason why i'm in ai that's the reason why I sit on the board of AI for the World Economic Forum. But it's not for people that I don't have to write a song about that. I just have to do the work and uh, and learn as much as I can and strive, 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 strive to be successful. So other folks that come from communities that I come from can be like, yo, I want to do that. There's been so much fun. There's so much to learn. I could talk to you for another five hours. I just want to ask you one last question. What do you want Will I Am to be remembered at? Um, like to be remembered as your legacy what's your legacy what do you leave so i like that word legacy because legacy has the word leg in it 
and leg is legs are used to stand up and so leg i i want to stand for something i don't want people to forget that i stand up for when i when it's time to stand up and try to solve problems legit so these words legacy legit legend legendary um legal <laughs> uh yeah bro i like to stand for shit i, I love like it to stand up and stand for causes and and you know when the world when something happens in the world i i stand up and i go and whether it's 9 11 whether it's being there in bandiache whether it's uh you know campaigning for obama in 2008 whether it's spreading optimism and joy um with music whether it's standing up and and providing a path forward uh for folks that come from communities like mine to teach them computer science and robotics um and all things tomorrow so yeah thank you my man thank you my brother will i am you are an amazing guy i've learned so much today thank you for being a friend thank you for allowing me to be part of this amazing side of you this tech side and obviously music is very much our love uh i think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this well i am thank you so oh, thank, much thank you tony thank you so much for for believing in uh and i am plus and, be, and being patient thank you so much being patient lots of love have a good session thank you for giving me so much of your time and speak soon brother see you later buddy take care bye <laughs>